Mr. Multifamily. I love that when I, I love that when you people are people have the ability to brand themselves, right? And their brand fits into their mission and purpose in life. Julian Gordon, what's your revolution? My revolution is um it's the multifamily movement and it's uh helping people recognize that they are children of God and that abundance is their birthright. And I do that through the multifamily movement. The multifamily movement obviously uh initially and on the surface, it looks like it's uh, about helping people acquire real estate. And that is the first step. Um my beginning work when I stepped into my purpose was I was actually my superhero name was Purpose Finder. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Go. Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. Show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution with themselves. How people can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. What's good, revolutionaries? We are moving along and doing our thing, brothers and sisters. And I am so happy to help you think about what the answer is to what we think is the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? And it's an interesting thing to ask. It is an interesting to ask and then answer. And I'm often like approached on the street, you know, and say like, Dr. Corporate, what's your revolution? And it's interesting, right? I have to think because I ask that question so often to my folks, to you revolutionaries, I'm pushing you and prodding you to think about this. And so, my answer this year in 2022, as I actually haven't said that purposely out loud, is to actually be more emotionally intelligent, right? To be more emotionally aware of myself and how I show up and really how I regulate my emotions in the world. Because what happens when we don't have the ability to regulate our emotions, to be emotionally intelligent, we don't have the ability to show up in the world like we need to, right? There's so much going on. And how do we how do we make sure that we show up as the best person? How can we show up as entrepreneurs and family members and lovers and partners and all those things if we haven't done the emotional work to be able to say, I am here for you, I see you, and I want you to see me. So when people ask me, that is what my revolution is for this year. But one other piece of that revolution is to continue my entrepreneur entrepreneurship journey revolutionaries and to continue to build my portfolios, whether it be with my stocks or whether it be with my real estate. And I've been fortunate, you know, to have good friends on the show. That's the great thing about this, this, this TV show, this podcast is that I get to interview great people who I respect and admire, who are doing amazing things, and I get to call them friends. And I realize when I interview my friends, we're gonna have a good time. And so um, I met this brother a couple of years ago at uh, Camelback's Guardian Summit, and we just started rapping. And it wasn't like we started rapping over like entrepreneurship and real estate. We started talking about ping pong and table, table tennis. And you know, I think I'm good. I've been playing table tennis for a long time, revolutionaries. And this brother's like, yo, I'm really good. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Right? Yeah, 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 whatever. So we met right before the pandemic, you know, before the pandemic shut us down, we met and I was like, yo, I'm about to, I'm about to spank this brother in some ping pong, right? I'm about, um, I think we played like six or seven games. I didn't win a game, zero. <laughs> no. No, I didn't win a game. This brother whipped me. We had some close games, but I didn't win a game. And I was like, yo. Um, 
But I want to introduce to the show my man, Julian Gordon, Mr. Multifamily, right? Mr. Multifamily and his movement, the multifamily movement. This brother is doing amazing things in the world. I, I can't wait to jump into what his revolution is, but I want you all to go to juliangordon.com. Check him out. You see his name, Julian, J-U-L-L-I-E-N, gordon.com to figure out what's going on with his multifamily movement process. And if you're thinking about building your revo- building your revolution around real estate, this is the brother that you need to follow. Julian, thank you for coming to the show, brother. I'm excited to talk about talk to you and hear about your revolution. But first, what's going on with you? Everything is good. Life is amazing, man. Um, just experiencing a a vortex of abundance and um, mm. and uh, just tapping in with my creator every single day and just seeking to stay in alignment. And so I think the joy is in my smile and on my face. Um, I'm I'm just being childlike and enjoying this this amazing experience we have called life. Uh, um, it's been the past twelve months have been just. Uh, a whirlwind, a good whirlwind um, from my book, Rich and Righteous, being released to the multifamily movement expanding. You know, Julian, that's, that's the amazing thing. And, and so, so much to pick up from that, dear brother. Um, and revolutionaries, I'm going to get to my question, you know, my, our signature question. But one of the things that you said early on in, in, in that was this feeling of joyfulness and being childlike. And that's something that I, I find interesting as we as we grow as people, Julian, is, is that how do we still find joy in the joy of children? Yeah. Right. Because you you look on the faces of children and they have no cares in the world. Right. They're at the playground. They're running around with their friends. They're playing with their animals. Mm-hmm. There's a childlike, you know, there, there's a joy and, and bliss to that. Yeah. As, as, as black men, how do we. I'm going to rephrase that. How do you remain in that childlike blissful phase? Because we need more of that. We need to see more examples of that, dear brother. Yeah. So first thing I recommend people do is just go to Instagram and use the hashtag um, black boy joy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you go search that hashtag, you're just going to see a lot of a moment of black men experiencing joy and to know that that's, that is our default experience. That's what life is supposed to be like. We're supposed to be experiencing heaven on earth right here and right now. Um, and for those ladies that are listening, is uh, I think they call it black girl magic is the hashtag <laughs> yeah. they use, right? And you're just going to be inspired by the pictures you'll see. And I, I want you to not only look at the joy on people's faces, I also want you to look at what they're doing and what's the environment behind them and around them and who's with them when they're experiencing that joy. And then say, look, how can I replicate that in my life? Now we all source our joy in different ways. You and I had a childlike experience. We were playing ping pong, right? Yeah. Um, yes. And so, uh, you know, one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in the entire world is uh, adulthood. Wow. Adulthood is the most dangerous neighborhood in the entire world. Uh, we become adults and we start taking things so seriously. Um, and uh, when we do that, we start to lose our, our childlike nature. And, you know, scripture says, be ye childlike. Other thing that keeps me young is um, is uh, actually my name, Julian, means youthful. So that's just my default nature. My name <laughs> is that. Um, but I have a daughter. I have a seven year old and, wow. and just trying to get on the floor with her. And uh, the one thing I won't do <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Uh, the one thing I, I won't do is uh, like for me, playing with dolls is hard. 
I would just for all the fathers out there playing with dolls is hard. I got like a five minute time a time limit, and after that, I'm like, baby, I love you, <laughs> but is it? But anything else that she's into, whether it's it, it's drawing, whether it's cooking or whatnot, um, I'm gonna try to do it with her and 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 fully embrace it as if I was a seven year old as well. Wow. You know, um, uh, going to the park and not just sitting there and watching her, but getting on the uh, getting on the swings and things of that nature with her. You know, side by side to. to remind myself of that childlike nature um but you know as black men uh we've embraced this idea that the struggle is real and that everything is against us and um that's the affirmation that uh, i choose not to um mm, use the struggle right. is not real for me um life is not meant to be a struggle uh you have um uh you know what was it dmx uh quoting i think buddha to live to suffer i just that just never resonated with me mm. Wow. Never resonated to live and suffer. I'm so, I'm sorry if that undermines an entire belief system, but I don't believe that we're here to suffer. I believe that we're here to uh, have life and have it more abundantly mm. and, um, and enjoy this experience uh, that I call bringing heaven on earth with heaven being your mental experience of life and earth being your material experience of life. And we're really here to bring all of these beautiful thoughts and ideas that come up here and visions that we have. We're here to really materialize those and bring them down here. And that's where the joy is that as children of God, right? As, uh, as children of God, we are also creators and we get to create whatever experience right. that we desire in this time, this energy, this space that we have, we get to take whatever was in us and around us. And like Legos get to build whatever we want. You can build a company, you can build a family, you can build a nonprofit, you can build a TV show like you're doing, you build a clothing line, you could build whatever you want. You get to build it. And, um, but, uh, we get caught up with these, I have to's. I have to do this. I have to go to college. I have to go get a master's. I have to go uh, to this job. I have to uh, provide for my mom, especially us as black men. If you had come from uh, a space where you had uh, only your mom, I got to provide for my mom. I got to buy my mom my house. Like we have all these have tos and, and you, we end up serving all these other people and, and we put ourselves last. And, um, and I'm not saying put yourself first as in to be selfish, but um, in order to pour into other people, we actually have to pour into ourselves Man. first and then from our abundance and our overflow, then we are able to give to other people. So my cup was full, filled by me, not by anyone else, mm. not by anything else. It was filled by me and my connection to my source and my creator. And then from that overflow, that's what allows me to give and pour into other people. But if we pour, if we pour out and we're empty, right. And everybody else is full, that defeats the whole purpose. And while it, we may perceive ourselves as, oh, I was sacrificial. I did this for my family and this and that. Everybody's happy except for you. Man. And I don't believe that that has to be the definition of happiness is that everybody around me happy, but I, you know, I got to do what I got to do. I don't, I, I, I want, I have a vision that we can all be full and all be happy and all be joyful and that it doesn't require somebody diminishing themselves or lessening themselves in order for those around them to have what they need and want. <laughs> Julian, brother, that, that's the masterclass right there. And as you said, being the architect of our lives and thinking about what that looks like and knowing that we don't have to struggle, right? Struggle will happen. But if we have that mindset, and I think, and I think what I'm hearing from you is that we continue as black men have that mindset that the struggle is a part of our life. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and interesting, other folks, are saying that about us. I had a conversation this morning with a, a, a friend of mine and 
a white man. And he said, you know, you as a black man, you know what struggle is. And I just kind of looked at him, Julie, <laughs> like, I, right. And I was like, right. right. Why are you making this assumption that I know what struggle? He's like, well, you're a black man, you, you know, and we do say this out loud. We do say this a lot. And we do think we do face struggles. Mm-hmm. Right. But should we expect have that expectation that we should be struggling all the time? And I yeah. think that weight that as a black man, we've taken that burden. Well, the struggle is a part of my life. And until the day I die, because this burden has been placed on me, I'm going to walk with this struggle because that makes me black and male. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, we don't have to. If we can find ways to have joy and if we go back, revolutionaries, and listen to what Brother Julian has just said, finding that childlike nature in me on Tuesdays and Thursdays, right? I won't do anything. I find my I find my joy. You know, I, I, I find my joy in being able to move a little bit after, you know, several, uh, you know, several accidents that have basically wrecked my body. But to find a little bit of joy, right, because I know, like, there's the struggle um, and finding that joy. And that's what Julian's saying. If we can find some things that remind us of our childhood, remind us that we can pour back into ourselves or the things that actually fill our cup up, guess what we can do? We can go out and we can go out and fill the rest of the world. And that's the interesting thing, because what we're both trying to do is fill other people's cups. And this what we do brings us joy. So let me get this out of the way. Julian Gordon, Mr. Multifamily. I love that when I, I love that when you people our people have the ability to brand themselves. Right. And their brand fits into their mission and purpose in life. Julian Gordon, what's your revolution? My revolution is. um it's the multifamily movement and it's uh, helping people recognize that they are children of God and that abundance is their birthright. Um, and I do that through the multifamily movement. Multifamily movement, obviously, uh, initially and on the surface, it looks like it's uh, about helping people acquire real estate. And that is the first step. Um, my beginning work when I stepped into my purpose was I was actually my superhero name was Purpose Finder before it was multifamily, uh, Mr. Multifamily. And I was helping people find their purpose in my living room by facilitating workshops in my living room. And I was great at it. And um, once people were clear on why they were here, the biggest difficulty that they had was how to monetize that purpose, right? How to make a living doing it. And so while people knew their purpose, all of a sudden um, uh, it was already within them. I was just there to draw it out and take them through a process to draw it out. Um, they were wondering how to make it manifest it uh, financially. And so that led to me teaching entrepreneurship. But one of the major, major things that freed me up to walk in my God-given purpose every single day was um, uh, multifamily real estate because I was living in Brooklyn and, you know, rents are expensive in Brooklyn. And uh, I saw an opportunity to buy a triplex in Brooklyn in May of 2013. So I bought that triplex and immediately I went from paying expensive rent in Brooklyn to now being paid expensive rent in yeah. Brooklyn. Right. I went from $1,500 a month going out of my pocket to somebody else who now is living for free and receiving $3,000 from two additional units, which then went to partially pay the mortgage. And then the other was just pocket. So now my biggest expense, the big expense that we'll all, all of us will have throughout our lives is housing. It's only three ways to live free forever, live in a tent, go to jail or buy multifamily real estate. Wow. Right. Wow. And so, um, so that property literally changed the financial trajectory of my life. And, but not just the financial trajectory, it gave me breathing room, right. To, uh, not have to be in this endless pursuit of money and just try to stack up this big pile, gave me breathing room because my 
my monthly overhead was a lot lower to actually just sit with my creator and really give this seed that was inside of me, my purpose, my revolution, time to unfold, right? Because the revolutions, they don't just happen just like that. They take time to unfold and build up. And so by getting rid of my biggest expense, which is housing, and it actually paying me and bringing income, my housing, bringing income in, that changed everything for me. And so while I was in entrepreneurship, I was teaching, uh, I was speaking at colleges and companies. Uh, the biggest curiosity that people had was how are you, you keep posting these every now and again, you keep posting these new properties that you're buying. How are you doing this? Right. And so um, that was the number one question that I got, not how to become a uh, public speaker, not how to do consulting for companies, not how to speak at colleges. It was how are you buying these properties? And so um, I was just listening to what my audience was uh, asking about and in July 2019, I, I launched the multifamily movement and uh, I helped one family, the Roll family, close on a multifamily in uh, Los Angeles. They went through the NACA program, which is uh, no down payment, no closing costs and uh, no credit score consideration. So for people who think that, oh, I don't have any money saved or my credit is bad, I can't get into real estate. It's not true. There's a program out there called NACA, N-A-C-A.com, um, where you can overcome those obstacles and still get to the game. So they closed on their first uh, multifamily uh, fourplex near USC. And um, that property is appreciated like crazy. And so once I worked with them one-on-one and I was like, Oh, I got to get this message to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, cause now it wasn't me just doing it for myself. It was me being able to do it and demonstrate it to someone, uh, to other people. And so, uh, I launched a multifamily movement and to date we've helped 275 people close on multifamily homes all across the country. Um, bought about $85 million worth of real estate collectively. Yeah. So um, our focus was my when I started, my focus was to reach 300 because that's how many people Harriet Tubman freed over the course of a decade by making 19 trips below the Mason Dixon line. Um, And uh, we're at 275 right now. And I'm just so like, you know, to go from that one family to now being at 275. Literally, when I go into the Facebook group, like every day there's a new closing now um and our rate of closing is just accelerating accelerating and accelerating and so this has become a movement beyond me um the students are self-organizing and having market meetups in their market so they meet up they go look at properties together that are beyond me it's beyond me i'm the initiator and i think that's really what's key to a revolution is like i'm the initiator but this revolution does not depend solely on me right i'm a leader who then what great leaders do they create more leaders and so um i've been able to create more leaders and it's just so beautiful to see this unfolding and so what i've come to in the past few months is the recognition that the multi-family movement is not uh, about real estate the multi-family movement is multiple families coming together to create regenerational wealth and enter the Mm -hmm. asset class and the first asset that we were seeking to acquire together is multifamily real estate, but we will acquire more assets together, but not just for the sake of having more. We are acquiring those assets to give us the freedom we need to be able to walk in our God-given purpose every single day. So it actually ties back into my initial work of helping people find their purpose. But what stops people from finding their purpose is finances and not having the time. So if I can get people to time freedom by getting rid of their biggest housing, uh, their biggest expense in life, which is housing is greater than taxes, um, then that frees them up to do what they are called to do. And now we have a community of people who are all walking in their God given purpose without money ever being a worry or an issue. That's what it means to be childlike. Children don't think about money. They, they don't. don't think about money. Oh my no God. worries. Julian, Literally, 
like when I talk about this, when I say this, brother, you know, like when we have master classes on this show, like that last four minutes is a master class, right? In answering what's your evolution. Because think about what think about what you just said. One thing, one thing turned into, right? You yeah. think about revolution. It just kept turning and turning mm -hmm. and turning. And the belief that think about this, revolutionaries, the value proposition that Julian brought to his folks. Multifamilies will allow you to release your biggest expense, right? You think about this. Uh, again, we got back to like the struggle. The struggle is a part of this. I should always have a housing expense. We grow up with that, right? Parents are paying a mortgage. You're paying car payments. Paying rent. Parents pay, paying, paying rent. rent. It, it, exactly. What if you can dispel of those things? How does your life change? And then, right, Julian, what I heard you say is it, it's not just for us. It's not just for you. If we can build a conglomerate of folks who are buying multifamily properties or thinking about, because I think about um, Chris Senegal that I know you know for very well, yes, one of my yes. brothers in, in Houston, right? My brother right, there. right, right, who are doing, who, who think about how do we, like you said, you know, build generational wealth with our communities that folks have moved in. Think about what happened in New Orleans, right? Or happened to other black communities across the country where we didn't have the ability or we just didn't go in and make sure that our community stayed with us. Having this knowledge of how to create your own personal revolution, as you said, then allows you to create bigger revolutions for other folks. It's a mm -hmm. movement. Revolutions mm -hmm. are movements for people to find ways to thrive. That's the value proposition of what yeah. Julian is trying to offer, right? And I'm pushing you right now, right? So make sure if you want to learn more about what this brother is doing, go to JulianGordon.com. Look they at the most. Uh, they can go to Julian Gordon at Instagram. That's oh. where uh, that's where the greatest resources are. Julian at Instagram. That's my handle: J U L L I E N Gordon G O R D O N. Um, and they can also go to RentFree.com. Uh, I do a free webinar there periodically on how to get in the game. Mm -hmm. So RentFree.com and then Julian Gordon uh, on Instagram. Feel free to DM me as well. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. it, it's just so much. And we're going to jump in, in in a second, but it's just so much. And what I love, I just want to reiterate, Julian, like, because we talk about this. Personal revolution should lead to global revolution, right? When mm -hmm. you're asking that question, my revolution is this. And I hope that people see me as a beacon of light for them to move into their revolution. And I think about, you know, fortunately, and look, brother, I have followed you for a long time. I bought my first multifamily property last year. It has allowed me, I just, I just closed on another property on Tuesday. Beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, exactly. I keep thinking about like living for free, right. And not having, not having that worry, like, Oh, I got to pay a $1,500 more. I got to pay a $2,000 mortgage. I've got to pay rent. I'm right. allowing myself now to give myself the freedom to pour into what I love this, right. this show this brand what's your revolution and i can live and like you said i've got other people you know but let's think about this right because if you go and you google julian gordon you can hear all of the things that he's preaching right i want to talk about some other things with you right i, I want to push people inbound them to all of the resources that julian just talked about but one of the things that i hear doing that i want to talk about with you is these limiting beliefs that we have as people mm -hmm. How do you think, how would you prophesize as people are thinking about, I can't, 
get into this game or I can't do this. You know, I'm not good enough or I don't have enough money or I'm just not Julian Gordon. How do I overcome those limiting beliefs so I can move forward into this revolution? Yeah. So for me, it all goes back to connecting with your creator. So um, if I ask you, what's the purpose of a cup, right? How will you find the purpose of a cup? A cup can hold liquid. It can hold pens on your desk, perhaps. You could track insects with a cup. You could do a lot of things with a cup. But the only way to truly find the purpose of a cup is to connect with his creator, right? The creator will tell you why it created the cup. And so we have to do the same thing when it comes to uh, our purpose is, is start there. Um, you know, scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. But what happens is a lot of people start seeking the things and then they'll say, after I seek these things and get them, then I'll start doing what I was called to do. And the reality is, is that's backwards. You actually do what you're called to do and everything that you need will be provided un, unto you. Because why would your creator give you a purpose, right? and then not give you everything you need to succeed mm. at that purpose. Wow. That makes no sense whatsoever. I'm going to give you a purpose. Then I'll put all these obstacles and problems in your way to make sure that you can't actually walk in that purpose. Mm. That my creator doesn't operate like that. Or my understanding and my God concept doesn't operate like that. If my creator gave me a purpose, then it's going to do everything in its power, right? This universal energy, whatever your source is, whatever you call it, it's going to do everything in its power to uh, allow um, and help and usher that, purpose into its full expression and manifestation. And so um, once I accepted that, right, that all things were working together for my good, once I accepted that as my reality and accepted that belief, then it gave me the faith to leave my job January 9th, 2009 at the bottom of the last recession. You can go look at the S&P 500 in January of 2009. It was at its lowest point that has been in decades. And I walked away from uh, a great paying job because my purpose was calling me. It was pulling me. When you're when you're in your purpose, it's not a push. It's actually a pull. You're just in alignment and you're going with the you're going with the flow. So there's a couple ways to manifest a life that you desire. The first way that especially us as men rely on is manpower. So we try to use our muscle and our strength and ego and machismo to try to push our way to our desired destination. And that's cool, but you're going to get burned out that way. Um, the other way that um, weak men tend to operate is they use manipulation. But they try to get over on other people in order to get what they want and desire. But uh, the greatest way is manifestation. And the best way to explain manifestation is is rather than relying on my muscles, if I'm if I have to row a boat from uh, from Atlanta to London, right? These muscles aren't going to get me across the uh, Atlantic Ocean, right? They're just not. Um, no matter how much manpower I have, these arms are not going to get me there. But if I can tap into a source of energy that is greater than me, then I can get there. And so manifestation is when I actually don't rely on my own manpower, which is limited. I actually put up a sail on my boat and I tap into the power of the wind, which mm -hmm. is a greater source of energy than I am. And I use that to propel me to the destination that I'm seeking to get to. And so for, for me, that wind is just seeking to be in alignment with um, the creator. Um, the uh, the nature, what you'll see on the internet, especially with the rapper culture and things of that nature, you just gotta hustle. We out here hustle, we hustlers. Um, I, I was like that for a minute and then I realized that alignment was a lot easier. I take the path of least resistance. Um, people, there are some people who take pride in taking the path of most resistance. Like, well, look what I overcame. You know, I overcame the struggle. And that's that's cool if that's what you desire. But um, 
I just find that by connecting with my source, just like we plug in our phone every single day to connect with a source of energy to stay charged up, I connect with my spiritual source and that's where uh, I get my primary source of energy. Yes, is there physical work that I have to do to bring the things that I desire um, into fruition? Yeah, but if you think about a gardener, uh, a gardener, a farmer does not actually know how to grow an apple. A gardener does not know how to grow an apple. Their responsibility is to hold space and create the conditions of success for the apple to grow. Yes. But a farmer does not know how to grow an apple himself. And this also goes for women. Women do not know how to grow a baby. There's no woman that has went into her own womb and put an arm on a head and a leg on a baby. Wow. But what she does, she holds space for that baby to unfold, for that seed to unfold. And so when I recognized that my true work was actually about holding space and creating the conditions of success for whatever was planted inside of me to actually unfold and express, then it changed the way I approach work. It changed the way I approach my to-do list. And so the fertile soil that I'm responsible for nurturing is my temple up here, which is right, my mind. Right. If my mind right, is right and the, and the fertile is rich, then whatever seed that God plants in that soil shall manifest and manifest a hundredfold. And so I went from focusing on these outward things called the to-do list to focusing on myself first at the beginning of my day and then stepping into uh, what I was meant to do. Because, you know, faith without works is dead. Yeah. So faith with works is life. But faith is the first part, believing in whatever it is that you are doing and creating. That's the first part. Then you add in works and then that, that's what gives something life. Brother, it is, it is so interesting to hear you talk about this manifestation piece and this manifestation piece being like the wind, like the wind, right? We don't have to push against the wind, right? You put up your sail and let the wind take you. And that's, that's the beautiful thing. I can hear my revolutionary saying to me, like, what does that look like? What does your practice look like? It's, it sounds great, but I want to hear what Julian Gordon's practice is. How does he bring about the manifestation? What are the steps that you do from the time that you open your eyes until the time you close your eyes that allow you to foster manifestation of the great things that you're doing? Yeah, so um, my morning rituals, I call them rituals, R-I-C-H-U-A-L-S, um, uh, because these are the rituals that make me rich. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I start there and um, I wake up and immediately I go into meditation. And that can be anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes of just meditation to quiet quiet the mind, right? If you ever had a snow globe, if the snow globe is shaken up, then it's very misty inside. You can't see clearly through the snow globe. But if you just let that snow globe sit, for two minutes, everything falls to the bottom mm -hmm. and now you can see clearly. So I start there with with quiet. Then I typically go into reading scripture. Um, I, I study the Bible, not from a literal standpoint, but from a metaphysical standpoint. There are many people who, who read that book literally and there's a lot of value when it's read that way. I actually look for the metaphysical, um, metaphorical hidden meanings um, in there. And so I, I go to scripture um, and I read, I read uh, a chapter um, and and try to decode that chapter and see what messages come to me in that moment. Um, then I have a 10 word prayer that I would like to share with everyone. Um, it's very easy and it's really about us as men submitting to uh, a higher power. Um, and we as men typically don't like to submit. Um, and that is, uh, please guide me, God, thy will be done. Thank you. So please guide me is uh, God is an ask, right? Saying it's saying that I, I don't know what's actually the best thing to do today, right? 
I'm not going to act like my limited perception of life understands everything, but you in your God's eye view of the world, you know what's best for me to do. So I'm stepping back, I'm releasing the will and just saying, please guide me. And where do I want you to guide me? I want your will to be done. Whatever it is that you created me to do, my purpose, I want that to be done today. And then um, expressing before anything is done, just thank you. Expressing gratitude in advance of receiving. Most people only express gratitude after they've received something or something good has happened. But I found that the secret to gratitude is actually to express it up front. Mm. And that actually brings whatever it is that you desire faster to you. So that 10 word prayer is um, it's actually a mantra that I use all throughout the day. Um, it's not just a one time prayer. So please, go, whatever I'm doing, please guide me, God, that will be done. Thank you. Right. So now I don't let my mind uh, become an idle mind because when something is idle, it is sitting. And there's also the spelling of idle, which is I-D-O-L. When you're sitting, you tend to start idolizing other things. You start looking at athletes. You start looking at women on Instagram. You start looking at this over here. You start idolizing other things when your mind is idle. So um, to fill that space, uh, quiet is actually the best. Silence is actually the best. Um, but uh, if you need to fill that space, that mantra, just please guide me, God, that will be done. Thank you. And you say that and repeat that silently to yourself or you can mumble it or say it mm -hmm. if you want to until you get direction in terms of what's your next step. Yeah, brother, I, I love that. And, and, and thinking thinking about quieting the mind in the morning, my mind, my mind goes from my mind mm -hmm. goes from the time that I wake up and to the time I go to bed. And 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 I've been in a space, let's put it that way. And, yeah. you know, and trying to get myself out of the space and finding time and quiet and meditation and, and thinking yeah. about all of the transition that goes on or is going on in my life right now. And yeah. my, my mind is, my mind is filled and sorted and, uh, you know, and, and parsed um, mm -hmm. so much so that it, 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 it becomes a part of the struggle. And I want to get out of the struggle to be, to be honest with you. And yeah. Yeah, I, I want to be out, out of the struggle, just feeling how I want to get out of this struggle and, and, and knowing that I need to sit with myself and, and, and really find a space of quiet, but also finding a peace in, 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 in scripture or written text that allows me to, how do I want to say, Julian, uh, allows me to to find more strength. That's what I want to say. That that that's what it is. And I think that's the biggest piece that, you know, when you have a grounding uh whether it be Christianity or whatever you, whatever your faith is, it, it is grounding you in that faith and allowing it to guide you. Um and that's been a struggle for me. Uh and I I'll just be honest with you revolutionaries, it, it has been a struggle finding that place and finding that stillness. I'm working through that. And this year has been, you know, about what does it look like to manifest the life that I want? Right. Um, and like you said, I can have this long to-do list and it feels good to check those things off the to-do list, but am I actually doing the things that actually will allow myself or allow the revolutionaries to find the place that they want to be the manifested life? Because ultimately no one wants to work until they're 60, right? For someone else, you know, and then when you leave the job, they're like, peace, and we're going to hire somebody else. Like, thank you for me. Thank you for being here. But, you know, we're, we're going to fill the spot tomorrow. And how does that feel? Right. That's what I respect. How does that feel when you give your life to something and you know that you're replaceable at the end of the day and being able to create your passion like you're doing 
um, and then being able to put it out to the masses, you can live that life. Like you said, freedom of time, place, and money is the goal. It, it is the goal. I want to ask you this, Julian. You, we, we talk about our faith. Talk about this you know, as the guiding force for you, because that the, every time we talk, every time I hear you talk, God and your creator is at the center of who you are. Give me the development of that. Like how did, how did that, how did you move into this space to be, to walk with your creator? Because we don't hear a lot of black men talk about this in the foundation of who they are. Yeah. 100%. So, um, my journey starts, um, so my, my religion is, um, if I had to put any language to my religion, I actually don't um, subscribe to any particular religion. My religion is simply that I'm a child of God, period. That's my identity. And um, then from that, there have been other religions that have been created, but before a religion even existed, who were we in relationship to God? We were children of God, period. And so it's actually inclusive of everybody. <laughs> Uh, regardless of the label that you decide to identify. And we've gotten in this space where my religion is bigger and better than yours. And so mine is the right way. And I just think that uh, if we look really look at scripture, um, especially given that we're in a Christian country, we really look at scripture. Jesus was actually against religion, <laughs> but people don't want to acknowledge that. Right. If you really read, I mean, he's talking about tearing down the temple, turning over tables in the synagogue, always debating with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Right. The temple is right here. Mm. The temple is here. These are called our temples. This is where it all is. And we can go into the quiet of our mind. Um, and I think the pandemic really showed people that when the churches were closed down, where did you have to go? You had to go within. You had, you to, had to go, go within. within. Yeah. You had to go within if you wanted to connect. You couldn't go to a particular space and you couldn't outsource your spirituality. When it comes to time freedom, I want you to outsource everything that is not important to you. You need to outsource your gardening. You need to outsource your cooking. You need to outsource your house cleaning. Out, you outsource your mechanic. You outsource your uh, dental work. You outsource all kinds of things. The one thing I never want you to outsource to another human being is your spirituality. Right. Your direct relationship with your source. Like I'm the I'm the oldest sibling. Right. And my brothers do not have to go through me. My younger brothers do not have to go through me to talk to our father. They can go directly to our father themselves. And so for me, it's more about relationship than religion. Uh, I grew up uh, going to church as a Baptist um, only because um, that's where my mom went and that's where my friends were. So I went to church not because of God. I went to church because my friends were there right, growing up. And then I went to college and I was in Westwood at UCLA and I didn't have a car. So religion just fell off. Like I didn't have anywhere to get anywhere. Um, the campus ministries didn't really resonate with me. And so I went through a, like a two year period where there was just no spiritual practice or any rituals around that. Um, then um, I started to get a hunger inside of me. And, uh, you know, there was a woman I was dating and she went to church and she had a car. So. What do you know? <laughs> well, you know what that means, right? That means I'm going to church. <laughs> so um, I uh, so I started going with her and um, there was a Jamaican um, minister at City of Refuge, Noel Jones. Um, great, very scholarly in his approach to it. And, you know, I'm sitting there every Sunday taking notes, like pages and pages of notes. And my spiritual hunger is increasing. Um, she and I ended up separating. But uh, and I finally got a car. So I, I kept on going. You know, and I went to I went at a different time than her just to create space and um and then uh after going there um 
my spiritual hunger kept on increasing. And, uh, and then I started going to a Bible study that a lot of my other classmates were going to, um, at a church called Maranatha. And that was on Monday. So I'm going to a service at city refuge on Monday, Sunday, and then a Bible study on Monday. So doing that in that Bible study, we do read the purpose driven life by Rick Warren and everything like that mm-hmm. all, all is well. And then after that spiritual hunger increases. So now, I decide to go to the city of refuge in the morning, a Bible study on Monday, and I go to the Maranatha's service on Sunday. So now I'm going to two services on Sunday and a Bible study on Monday. And that's cool, right? Everything going well. I'm like one service at 7 a.m. The next one's 10 a.m. And, and then Bible study on Monday. That's cool. And then spiritual hunger comes up again. You're not getting enough food. And so now I go to three services on Sunday. I'm going to City of Refuge in the morning, Maranatha after that. And then the night I'm going to West Angeles, right? This bigger church. And then the Bible study on Monday. That's cool again. And then spiritual hunger keeps on increasing. And so then I commit to reading the Bible from cover to cover myself, right? And once I did that, um, I realized that the churches I was going to and the people that I was under, they were not teaching what the actual Bible was saying. There are contradictions and questions that I had, and I would take those to the men in the church and they could not answer them without using scripture, like lean not on thy own understanding. So at that time I was like, okay, you can't answer it. That's fine. So one Sunday I woke up and I just stopped going. I just woke up one Sunday and that was it. And I started asking myself questions and went on my own research and investigation. And I said, where did this book come from? Where did this book come from? And then when I went back to Egypt and realized that the 10 commandments had come from the 42 declarations of innocence that um, you know, Egypt is heavily represented in the Old Testament, right? But it's been demonized because Egypt and the uh, and Ma'at was the spiritual foundation of that civilization. You look at the Ankh and the cross, like you can't tell me like Moses, whoever Moses was, literally just said, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna remix it, I'm gonna put it over here, <laughs> right? So that's when I released the identity of Christian and and um, and that's when I went to just the more spiritual definition of my relationship to um, my source. And um, and while I'm definitely uh, heavily Christian influenced, um, I don't identify as such. Um, and then even like the Bible, people say, well, you read the Bible. Well, the Bible's not a Christian book. The Bible's not a Christian book. It's used heavily by Christians, but it's it was a Hebrew book. Right. Mm. So there's just perceptions. Jesus wasn't even Christian. So it's just like, um, what is this? What is this religion um, that has uh, taken over uh, the world in so many ways? Um, so uh, so my journey just went within um, and uh, and that's kind of been how it's unfolded. So I definitely um, still read. Uh, I read the Bible. I love the Bible. I think it's a powerful book. Uh, the question is, what lens are you looking at it with? Are you looking at it as history or as just a story? Because if you look at it as just a story, then none of the things that are in there are lies. Right. That's an interesting take on it. You know, if you think about it as this, that you're reading a story. I've never thought about the Bible that way. Um, and, and, and the way that yeah. And all the characters. No, just the way that it's been taught to me, and particularly by my mother and the faith that is the, the Bible is the direction. Yeah. Uh, the direction of our lives and yeah. reading the Bible would give you direction. But thinking about it in the context that you're you're reading the story, you're reading history. And yeah. Yeah. And, and from that perspective. And then because if you look at that, because people will read the alchemist or uh, other different things and, and allow it to give them direction in their lives. Correct. 
Right. And so looking at the Bible that way is an interesting take. To look at, is that if this is this is the story and this this the Bible, this book will allow me to to internalize it and then impart the things that I feel are relevant relevant to me. Is that what you're saying? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. This is why it's a living word. This is why it's a living word. See, like the characters, many of the characters in the Bible, um, they're just characteristics inside ourselves because of the three thousand plus characters in the Bible. There is very little historical evidence of any of them. Right. And so this is where the notion of historical fiction comes in, um, where uh, historical fiction, you tie in some things that are actually in real life. Right. And but you weave it in a story. So just because just because Dorothy was in Kansas, does that make the Wizard of Oz a real story? <laughs> no, it's, it was a story. And even if you look at the characters in the Wizard of Oz, the scarecrow represented what? It wasn't an actual character. It was it represented the fear that is inside exactly. of all of us, exactly. right? And so we, um, and so there's many layers. And the Bible is actually a seven layer dip, but mostly uh, it's only taught on the first layer. Now, when you have a seven layer dip, you never just eat off the top layer, right? You go deep. And even Jesus, Jesus said, uh, all these things I speak, I speak in parables, right? <laughs> we know that there's metaphors and similes. Even when Jesus is describing the kingdom of God, he says the kingdom of God is like. So, right, when every time you use the word like, it's a, it's a simile. So, um, Anybody uh, uh, in it, and for me, it actually what I came to recently that it doesn't matter if it's true or false. What matters is, is it what it does for you mm-hmm. internally, and does it bring you closer to your creator and source? It doesn't matter if it's true or false in my eyes. Other people may disagree, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, and that's an interesting thing because my mother, my you know, it, it is the source of life of my mother. My mother reads every day, she practices scripture, she meditates and mm-hmm. prays. It is the source of her joy, it is the source of her enlightenment, it is the source of the direction of her life. And so, like you said, that's your belief system, and that's her belief system. Um, and there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that at, at all. And how we and 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 how I practice my faith that's an interesting thing. We've I, I feel like we've gotten to this point. That's a whole nother conversation where your practice is different from my practice and my practice is wrong and your practice right. is right or whatever. Instead of saying my walk is my walk and your walk is your walk and your revolution is your revolution. And this is my yeah. revolution and how, and how we move through this space. No, I appreciate that. And that's good for my revolutionaries to hear is that as we're creating this space and then we're looking inward, right. That will allow us to manifest the lives that we want. We have to be okay with how we are practicing being mindful and, and, and meditation and what we are actually reading to give us the sources and direction of our yeah. lives. And so I want to be mindful of that. Look, we're, we're about to begin to close out, Julian, and I want to make sure, right, that my revolutionaries have just, uh, I want to drive them to you. But if they're thinking about, I want to, I, I want to build a life where I am not dependent on a job Right. And I want to particularly do this through real estate. What's the first step? Right. Because I want you to go to, to get second, third, fourth and fifth sticks when you go to all of the resources that he is providing through through all the his all of his social media means and his his tutorials that you can find. But what's the first step that they can take? Yeah. So um, the second step is rentfree.com. So just attend the webinar and that's going to um, that's going to blow your mind in terms of things that myths that you had about real estate and how to get in the game. But the first step is actually uh, your mental real estate. 
owning your own mental real estate, owning your own thinking, owning your mind, right? So right now we're in this age of financial literacy and it's coming to the forefront, especially in our communities or whatnot. But if you give a whole bunch of financial strategies to a person with poverty consciousness, they will not take root. Right. So it's really important for you to establish your wealth consciousness. And that means one, recognizing that you are a child of God and two, that abundance is your birthright. If I'm a millionaire, Charles, and I have a seven year old daughter, is she a millionaire? No. You don't think so? Why not? Uh, I, I'm thinking it's a trick question because you, <laughs> <laughs> because you want her to work. You want her to learn. You want her to th if she doesn't think that she's a millionaire then she's not. But if she does think that she's a millionaire, then she is. There you go. There you go. So she's going as my child, she's going to inherit everything that I have for her, but she doesn't have it yet because she's not ready to receive it. A lot of us want a million dollars, but we're not even ready to receive it. Some of us don't even make up our own bed. Some of us got an engine light on our car. We can't even take over our car. No. We can't take over our bedroom. And you want a million dollars to just be granted to you. So you haven't been a good steward of what you already have. So why would your creator pour more into you when you're leaking like a colander, right? Because you can pour an entire ocean into a colander and the colander will still end up empty. So you think that more money is the solution to your problems, but it's really about you becoming a better steward of what you have and demonstrating uh, that you are a good suit of what you have. And then what you'll find is that more ends up coming to you. Right. So um, I believe that abundance is our birthright. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And, um, and so really tapping into that wealth consciousness. But many of our revolutionaries out here, uh, some of our revolutions come from this anger around poverty and being born into poverty, not having a lot. And I want to just reframe poverty for people for just a second, which is that the reason many of us were born into poverty in our community is is not what we think. So if a child is born into poverty, right, they look around themselves and they say, I see a lot of poverty. And then they take the two most powerful words in the English language, which God calls itself, which is I am. And they say, I am poor. Mm. But that is not your identity. That is just the environment that you are in. Right. Uh, the reality of why you were born into poverty is because you are rich and you were here to actually demonstrate that you are rich despite your external conditions. Mm. Paris Hilton could never prove that she's rich because she was already born into riches. How could she ever prove that she was rich, right? But you being born into poverty, seeing but coming to the awareness that I am rich, that I'm a child of God and I have access to everything that's in the storehouse when I'm ready to receive it, then you actually can use this experience here on earth to actually demonstrate that you are rich despite external circumstances. Right. And so this is a challenge. It's like a level of a video game that you chose, that you chose before you came through your mother's womb. You chose that, God, go ahead, put me down there um, and take away, uh, especially for people who are black, right? Take away my land, take away my uh, family lineage, take away uh, my language, take away my spirituality, take away uh, my dad, take away all that and watch me still win. That's the agreement that we made before we came to the womb. And so now we're here. And so if you start to look at life in that way, that you created this obstacle course for yourself, that it wasn't created against you, that you created it for yourself to demonstrate how amazing you truly are, it just changes your perspective. And you realize that everything in life is actually happening for you and not uh, against you. Not against so you. that that's um, uh, commanding that mental real estate and being able to take all the negative that's in your life and uh, all the struggle and actually see the positive of it. For me, I got held up at the age of 18 for a car that I bought. 
It was a Mercedes Benz that I bought, um, uh, 1991, 90 E. And I bought it at the age of 18 because my parents both had Mercedes Benzes. Right. So I thought that that was, I was showing that I was on a path to success by getting the things that they had faster than they had them. Mm. And this was, I was a college student. I had no business buying a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> I could have bought a Honda Civic. Right. But my programming in my mind right. said, I need to show my parents that I'm doing well. Right. And so I bought a Mercedes Benz that I could not afford two miles after driving it off the lot. It broke down and I spent more money to fix it than I did to buy it. And then two weeks after that, it was stolen at gunpoint. So I could have stayed angry about that moment for the rest of my life, but I'm actually glad in hindsight, I'm glad that it happened because I went through a deep space of introspection at that time. And that's where I really started asking, what is my purpose? What is my revolution? Why am I here? And sometimes it takes near death experiences like that. I don't want you to have to have a near death experience for you to awaken to who you truly are and why you're here. Um, and so that's why I teach. Um, that's why I, um, speak in the way that I do uh, with a tone of tough love um, to try to wake people up before life moves them towards more pain to help them awaken to the pleasures that are actually available to them. Man, brother, that, that, is, that is it. And that, that is the interesting thing, like understanding that we create this life. And I want, I want people to understand that th this show has been underscored by we create this life. Mm -hmm. Right. You create your revolution and your your then you manifest that real revolution into the into the fruition that you would like to see. Mm -hmm. And even though there may be obstacles, even though there may be challenges, we can't sit and say that these challenges are are lifelong. Uh, one mm -hmm. thing that I heard from Brene Brown is that we never think that happiness is going to last a long time, right? But we think that struggle is. We we buy into that feeling that struggle is always going to be there. You know, right. and we're happy. Well, I, I won't be happy for a long time. And so we've got to get out of the mindset that struggle won't last always, nor will happiness, that we will find those ups and downs. But we also understand that we create this life. Julian, I look, brother, I am just ecstatic, man, to, to have you on the show, man. It, it, it is a blessing uh, to have you the word that comes up is preach, but I don't want to say just to, to, to pro provide reverence to us, provide knowledge that will uplift us and uplift our revolutions. Um, I just, again, want to say thank you and grateful for the opportunity for us to meet a couple years ago for you to yes. uh, kick my butt in ping pong. I've been practicing. Look, I've been telling everybody like <laughs> I'm coming back to you. I'm going to have to go to Atlanta because he's moving to Atlanta. We're going to revive this ping pong rivalry, you know, for everyone. But again, let everybody know where they can find you just one more time. Yeah, it's Julian Gordon, J-U-L-L-I-E-N on Instagram. Uh, feel free to DM me if you have any questions. Um, and uh, um, then uh, rentfree.com for the free webinar. And if you want my book, uh, I don't have a copy right here. If you want my book, um, Rich and Righteous, The Spiritual Secrets to Mastering Money Manifestation in Your Mind, you can get that at moneyandmanifestation.com. It's a uh, very it's, it's one of my proudest works ever. Um, and uh, it takes the scripture, decodes it and shows you how and why abundance is your birthright. And once you step into that identity, see a lot of people are seeking out information in this information age. But the really thing, the thing that really creates your transformation is not information. It's a change in your identity. identity. So when exactly. it's really be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, when your mind has been renewed, then your identity is renewed. So a lot of people try to 
manifest by trying to have it first, which is fake it till you make it. Then they do. Then they say, I'll be. But the reality is you say, I am right. Yeah. You start with being your being shapes your doing and then your doing automatically leads to your having. Right. Brother, this is a masterclass, brother. I am, right? And, and thinking about this, I am a TV star. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, yes, yes. And that's, that, that is how we, we move in this space. And the interesting thing, talking about manifesting this, you know, five years ago, actually six years ago, Julian, I was sitting in a, a Starbucks on magazine. I told my first producer, before she was even my producer, I was like, I want to have a radio show. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's like, we're going to make that happen. A year later, the show came. Right. Five years later, actually four years after that, we got the TV show offer. And now here we here we are with this and right. Continuing to manifest and, and believe this is where my purpose is. What's your revolution is a larger brand. But right here, being able to interview superstars like you to pass this message on to my folks. This is my purpose. This is my passion and I love to be able to tell your story. So thank you for being with us today. And revolutionaries, you know, always, always, as you think about this, right? As Julian just said, first, find the belief that you are, I am Mm -hmm. what I want to be and then move into the space. We wish you well. Again, Julian, thank you for everything. Revolutionaries always think and be able to answer what we say here is the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? We'll talk to you soon, everyone. Take care. Peace, 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 peace. What's good? What's good? What's good? Business is growing, the movement is growing up in real estate. So, this is my revolution. So, I'm excited to share it. Uh, like, hold on to that tidbit right there, brother, before, yeah. <laughs> before we get started. But I'm glad, man. I'm glad to hear, man. I, you know, I've just been so blessed uh, to continue to follow you and what you're doing, and just blessed that we had met a couple years ago. 